Just thank the Lord for our worship team and our chance to praise his name. Well, God bless everybody. My name is Marcus, uh, one of the pastors here. So if you're live, thank you for joining us. If you are online, thank you for joining us. And uh, man, I, I love I love this time of year. Can I hear an amen out there? Right. This is just uh, this is such a great time of year for so for so many reasons. You know, my wife and I uh, have four kids. One of the reasons it's great is because the kids start coming back from college. I've got Diego, my oldest, who's back. Uh, Macy will be back uh, next weekend, and the other two are here. So just as a dad, right, to have your kids around is always a blessing. And then just in San Diego and all over the nation, just the, the feeling that, that, that abounds. I like that it's a little bit colder, right? I like it a little bit colder. I can tell it's getting colder because uh, Coach Tony's wearing longer shorts, which is good. So you can tell it's getting a little bit cooler for you, Coach. Um, but I really enjoy this time of year for so many reasons. And, you know, some of it is just heading out, right, seeing, uh, seeing the lights. How many people here like to see the lights during this time? Can I hear amen? Yeah. Right? It's, it's one of the, the, best, the best things uh, during this time of year. And my wife and I do that. We went a couple, about a week ago to, to, uh, to Coronado, Hotel Del Coronado. If you haven't gone, go. They've totally redone it. It is amazing. The light show is incredible, so beautiful. My wife and I, we're going to stay a couple, a couple nights there, uh, but we uh, figured out there's no way ever we could afford it, so we decided against it. Uh, so we went back home, uh, but the lights are free, which are nice, guys. The lights are free. And last, uh, a couple nights ago, we went to Carol's by Candlelight here in, San Diego, uh, here in Escondido, now, this was a great, great event, and outside they've got this, this whole orchestrated light show as well, a great entertainment at the end, sang Silent Night with, um, with the old-fashioned candlelight, and just, just a huge, huge blessing. But one light show that happens every night, and it's my wife's favorite, it's the sunset, right? One of the amazing things about living in San Diego are, are the sunsets and the ocean. And when we go there, no matter what's going on, whether it was a tough day or, or stressed out, right, everything fades away when you go and you put your feet on the shore and you're, you're staring west and you see that sun just start to descend into the horizon. And if you notice, next time you do that, pay attention to what happens. Like everything shuts down, right? The people going on a walk stop walking, right? The people sitting on sitting down, stand up, right? You see people even pull over on the side of the road. Even the surfers, even the surfers who are surfing, they stop, and for a minute or two, they just watch that big fire in the sky just descend into the horizon. It's just so mesmerizing. There's something so, so amazing, so beautiful about light. And today, in the series, And Triumphant, we are going to be talking about the title of the message is Living in the Light. Everybody say, Living in the Light. Living in the Light. Living in the light. And we're going to be taking a look at John chapter 1. Um, we'll get there in a little bit, but it really talks about God introducing the light into the world, which is through His Son, Jesus Christ. But, but this season, one of the things we do, too, that we've done with our kids ever since they were little Right, we put them in our minivan and we go around looking at lights. Right, when you're a kid or you have kids, you can kind of force them to do it. Right, and, and they want to come and get their little hot chocolate. Now they're 21, 19 years old, 17, and my last one, he's younger than the others. I'm not sure his age. The fourth one, I just know he's younger, right? 
14, most likely, Mark, was that right? All right, great. But he reads at a 13-year-old level, so, I mean, he's, work, he's working his way up. That's okay. He's homeschooled. It's our fault. And so now it's a little bit different when we go see the lights. And here's the routine. I don't know if this is like this in your family with older kids. Let's go see the lights. And it's always mom, right, trying to start this campaign. And begrudgingly, right, we get some complainers. I don't want to see the light. I want to. And then we get all four kids in the car. But by the time we pull up the Poway coach, right, by the time we get to a candy car lane or whatever, and we're actually there, right, you're feeling me, Ricky. I was like, yeah. We're glad we're here because there is something so special about seeing the light and just being a part of the light show. Um, let's get into right away. We're going to be in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And I'll start off by reading the first five verses. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And it says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him, speaking of Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Let me read that again. And that life was the light of all mankind. The, sh the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So this is, let me set the scene here right now. This is the book of John, which I love this book of John, and it's a little bit different than the other Gospels. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four Gospels, right? But John's approach is a little bit different. The book of Matthew, the book of Matthew really focuses on Jesus Christ as the Messiah, so as you read Matthew, there's all these, these, these illusions, right? Not illusions, illusions, right? And all these things point to Christ being the Messiah, right? Then you go to Mark. Mark, the author Mark, points Jesus now as a servant, right? It's when he's washing the disciples' feet. And it really, he focuses on Jesus being a servant, right? If we go to Luke, the last gospel, he focuses on Jesus being a perfect man. So we get all these different perspectives from these apostles and these authors on who Jesus is. John approaches it differently. John approaches it as Jesus being God. So that's why he's not starting off with the Christmas story, right? We, we, we love Christmas coming up. It is fantastic. And we really focus on that. But here's the interesting thing, guys. Out of the four Gospels... Out of the four Gospels, two of them, two of the four, talk about the Christmas story. Isn't that interesting? Two of the four, right? Because it's not so important that Jesus came as a baby Jesus to them. And this is the Jesus we accept in this nation, right? Everybody likes the baby Jesus in the manger. Are you guys with me? Right? Because that baby Jesus isn't going to offend anybody. He's not going to scare anybody. He's cute. Right? And it's okay to like baby Jesus. But John here isn't talking about baby Jesus. John here is talking about the king of kings, the God of gods, the one and only, the one that existed before time. That Jesus. 
And that's the Jesus he's starting off with. Not the little cute baby one, but the one that's the creator. So that's the perspective that the book of John discusses, which he discusses Jesus as God. So now let's go to John, uh, the next slide, verses 6 through 8. It says this, there was a man from God whose name was John. Let's pause there. The apostle John, the disciple John, is writing about John the Baptist. Are you guys following me? So he's not writing about himself here. He is writing about John the Baptist. So now, whose name was John? He, John the Baptist, came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. John 1, 6 through 8. So when John is writing about John the Baptist, it was an interesting time, guys. Follow me here. The world for about 400 plus years had not heard from a prophet. Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels of the New Testament, around 400 years had passed since they didn't hear from a man of God, from a prophet. You're in that spot where you, you consistently go to church here, and, and, or, or you go to church and then you don't come for a week, and you're kind of, man, I, I got to get back to church, I miss church. And then you, you miss two weeks. You're like, oh, man, I want to get back to church. Three or four weeks into it, you're like, uh-oh, this feels kind of weird. I feel kind of heavy. I feel kind of, right? And then, like, who, who, who's going to be greeting that day? Like, can I, can I kind of walk past them and just kind of slide right in? Right? Or maybe, like, you went off to college, or maybe you're a season in your life, or you're relocated, right? And then you're like, well, I haven't really been back to church, and you know spiritually something's missing. Can I hear Amen. Right, and then when you get back in, and like, ah, it feels so good. Well, imagine like 450 years not hearing from God. Can you imagine how dark the society was? Can you imagine how dark the people of Israel were? Can you imagine how dark the world was? But you know what? Sometimes you don't even notice when you're in the dark because you kind of get used to it. Are you guys following me? Can we can we dim the lights in the house, please? Is that possible? So big difference, right? Big difference. Right? We could see fully before it got dark. But a strange thing is starting to happen right now. Your eyes are starting to adjust. And if I stayed here preaching long enough, you kind of wouldn't even notice. Because your eyes would tell you, ah, I can kind of see. And some of you guys don't mind because now you don't have to look at my face anymore. It's coming back, so prepare yourselves, guys. Prepare yourselves. I'm going to warn you right now. I said, ah, it's not too bad being in the dark. I don't have to look at, I told the camera people, focus on my main chin, not the other guys. The other guys don't need attention. They're just here for distraction. And now you start to see a little bit more. That's not so bad. So sometimes this is how we're living our lives, guys. When the Lord wants things shining brightly, right? When the, war, when the Lord wants light, 
And we're like, ah, the darkness isn't so bad. I can live like this. Stub your toe perhaps a little bit. Right? Kind of work your way around. And so often, as opposed to living in the light, we get used to the darkness around us. And like, I can see enough. Well, God doesn't want us just to see enough. Can we turn them back on? Right? God wants us to live in the light. God wants us to enjoy the, 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 the fullness of the light. You know, light does so much. Light, one, brings comfort, doesn't it? Right? When you're kind of like apprehensive, it's dark outside, right? It's nighttime. Another reason I love my kids, God's really blessed me with wonderful kids, and I love them so much. And one of the reasons I really love my kids is when I look at them and I see them, I think, Lord, thank you. I don't have to do chores anymore. <laughs> my wife says, take out the trash, right? Where's Marco? Right? <laughs> Every Monday the trash comes, right? Tell Marco to take out the trash. But when it's nighttime, Marco doesn't want to go take out the trash. We have half an acre, so there's a little bit of space to take them down because it's dark. And he always tries to finagle his way, right? But Marco would rather wait to the morning when there's light to take out that trash because he's a little apprehensive. And with half an acre, there's creatures around. And sometimes, right, I kind of get frightened outside too because at night, things are different. Can I hear amen? And, and if you're my age, which is some people here are older, you know what happens at night. The freaks come out at night. Thank you, guys. Thank you for the old people to get my reference. The freaks come out at night, right? But when the sun comes out, you think my son is scared to take out the trash, right? Light provides comfort, provides visibility, provides warmth. But ultimately, light provides life. The series and triumphant, how we can live triumphantly through Jesus Christ. Guys, there's no way you can live with victory in your life in the darkness. There's no way you can live the life that God wants for you in the darkness. And light provides life. I remember a seventh grade biology class going over photosynthesis. And them explaining how light comes and the plant gets it. And something about chloroplasts and something about something and then something about life. You guys with me? But it was impossible without light. So here God is saying this world is dark. And notice how the book of John begins. I love it. It begins in the beginning. You go back to the book of Genesis. How does the book of Genesis start? In the beginning. I want to tie this, this point together, this parallel, because I think it's really cool. So the book of Genesis begins in the beginning, right? And, then, and it just talks about how there was nothing. And verse 3 said, God said, let there be. Because the place was dark and formless. 400 years, now let's, let's progress to Old Testament, New Testament, 400 plus years pass. It's now dark. 
God sees that, and he sees the darkness that, 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 that the nation of Israel are walking around in, and the whole world is rocking around, and he says, then John, in the beginning, was the word. But then he talks about how Christ sent the light. So just like our world to begin with was dark, and ultimately he created the sun to shed light, likewise in the New Testament, the world had gotten dark again, but now spiritually. So what does he do to bring light to the world? But he sends his son, Jesus Christ. Just like the sun brings the light to us physically, the son of God brings the light to us spiritually. I love that tie-in right there. So now, I want to share three points, guys. Three simple points about living in the light. The first point about living in the light is this. Living in the light allows us to be bold. Everybody say bold. Church, let me hear you. Everybody say bold. Allows us to be bold. Back to my son. You go outside in the dark, there's some trepidation. You're scared. You're apprehensive. Now turn on the lights at 7 o'clock in the morning. There's no problem taking out that trash can to the curb. Why? Because now there's visibility. Now you can approach your steps with boldness. Now you can approach your walk with awareness. As Christians, guys, we need to be bold. Because there's a world out there living in darkness. John the Baptist comes to a spot where people have not heard God's word for over 400 years, and he comes out of the wilderness. Pastor Tim set this up great last week. And he's wearing crazy-looking outfits, right? A camel hair outfit, and his hair is long, Right, his beard, and he eats locusts and honey. Well, ha, grow a beard. Do me a favor, grow a beard. Guys, this is for you. Grow a beard. Women, please don't. Grow a beard. Go live in the wilderness. Put on some camel hair outfit, the crazy belt, and let your diet consist of locusts and honey. Can you imagine the, the, the pieces of locusts in his teeth? Can you imagine the honey stuck to his beard? And then, and then on top of that, he's coming out saying, Repent and believe, for the, the kingdom of God is at hand. People are like, who is this crazy guy right here? Man, go brush your teeth. Can you imagine the boldness he had to use? Can you imagine the, the boldness that he had? But he had the lights. And he knew that that light would illuminate his path, would show him where to walk. Spiritually, we need to be bold. And if indeed we live in the light as we should as children of God, why not be bold? Why not be willing to, like John the Baptist, look like a fool sometimes? Be embarrassed sometimes. Be thought of as odd sometimes. John the Baptist, to the extreme, as a young man, probably at the age of 32, 33-ish, was incarcerated and ultimately was beheaded. But yet, 
How did Christ view John the Baptist? I think, I think this is a very great point here because if we were to evaluate John the Baptist's life through our standards, follow me here. And I tell you, there was this guy, you know what? Ended up in jail, didn't have a house, kind of looked crazy, right? And um, his life ended at 32, 33, and they chopped his head off. They like asking, how, um, how, how important or how effective was his life? Like, no one's going to sign up for that, right? If we're signing up for, hey, who wants to be beheaded at 33? Volunteer opportunities, right? You would go, and that's not a successful life. How did Jesus view this man, John the Baptist? He said, out of all men born, to, born from women, he was the greatest. Wow. And a lot of it was because of his willingness to be bold. And how great that God would see us that way. That he would look upon NBC that he would look upon my life, that he would look upon your life, and he would say, that child was great. Maybe not according to the standards of this world, but according to the standards that God has. He gave us a formula to be great. And you know what? Part of that is to be bold, to share the gospel, share the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, something's very, very interesting about darkness. Because darkness by definition, doesn't really exist on its own. Let's take a look at this definition of darkness. Let me get all scientific on you guys. Darkness, according to the dictionary and to science, is the absence or deficiency of light. Hmm. So darkness exists when light doesn't. So let's go back five minutes ago when the lights were off. We turned on the lights. What happened to the darkness? It went away. They say that the speed of light is the fastest thing. It can't be. The only thing faster is darkness running away from the speed of light. So in our lives where there may be darkness, in some of our relationships, in our behavior where there's maybe darkness, and maybe we're trying to figure out how to get rid of that darkness. You guys following me? And, and, and I don't know what all the technical solutions can be because there's a million ways to skin a cat. And this will tell you this, people will tell you this, this book will tell you this, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you one way guaranteed to get rid of the darkness. Very simple, bring in the light of Jesus. Because that darkness won't have a choice but to leave. And if we illuminate this place and turn on all the lights, guys, where it's completely bright and someone wanted to bring in darkness and they brought in uh, 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 three gallons of darkness, right? They brought in 50 gallons of darkness or every unit you could measure darkness, which doesn't exist, but just play along with me. And they dumped out all that darkness while all the lights were on. What would happen? Nothing. Because the darkness can't scare away the light. The darkness can't exist when the light is on. For us, we need to be that light to this world. If we don't know how to fix people's problems, 
We don't have the solution for every emotional, every relationship, every personal, every psychological. But this is where we know wherever there is darkness in people's lives, and our own lives included, in society, if we bring in the light of Jesus, what has to happen to the darkness? It has to flee. Can I hear amen? Right? What a beautiful thing that we've got this ability because of our trust in Jesus Christ. And I love when Jesus said, let there be light. He said it in the Old Testament, and essentially, he's saying it here in John chapter 1. The world is dark. Let there be light. I like this quote by Plato. And it says this. We can easily forgive a child who is afraid of the dark. The real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light. Kids being afraid of the dark, no big deal. But wow, what a shame and how sad if through Christ we've got that light to eliminate our lives for forgiveness of sins for love and comfort and joy, and we're afraid of that. Let's not be afraid of the light. Let's embrace it, and let's shine that light. Let's go to John now, 9, 1, 9, 11, just next verses in the passage as we continue on. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though... The world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. John 1, 9, 11 says this, God created the world. God came incarnate to the very world he created. And as he entered the world and lived in the world that he created, the world did not recognize him. Hmm. Could that be us sometimes? That even though we may be in church, even though we may be in NBC, even though we may be in this great nation that overall is a God-fearing nation, that we would go, wow, I'm not even really acknowledging him or recognizing him. This next slide, don't, don't put it up there yet because I want to share it. I, I love this slide. What you're going to see is a young man playing the ukulele, or the ukulele. Ukulele means jumping flea, by the way, so I think that's cool. That was my nickname in fifth grade when I ran track. It wasn't. It was the Hispanic panic. No, it wasn't. So you see this guy in Hawaii playing the ukulele, of a song of his hero. It's an artist called Maris Yahoo. Maris Yahoo, if you don't know him, check him out. He's awesome. He's this Jewish hip-hop artist that's just so great. So this kid's hero is Maris Yahoo, and he's playing a Maris Yahoo song in coffee shops throughout Hawaii. Well, as he's singing one of his favorite songs of his favorite artist, Something interesting happens that he's not really even aware of. Let's play the video. If we can play that video, please. Here we go. 
So this character shows up. He just keeps playing his jumping flea. No big deal, right? Some weirdo on a plaid cutoff sleeveless comes up. What he doesn't know is that's about his Yahoo. So here this guy is, playing a song from his hero, and in walks in Maris Yahoo, the very guy that wrote the song he's playing. And the sad thing is, he has no idea. Later on, he realizes it and like, oh my gosh. Could that be us sometimes? Perhaps. When we're living our life in this beautiful world that God created and so many rich, abundant blessings that he's given us and all along Christ is there, God is there, and yet we don't acknowledge him. John the Baptist acknowledged Christ and he, because he lived in a light, it allowed him to be bold, it allows us to be bold. My next point And this message is, living in the light allows others to be blessed. Now, so let's follow the flow chart here. Living in the light allows us to be bold. As we now live in that boldness and live our lives for Christ, others now, like in the life of John the Baptist, are blessed. People start giving their lives start changing, start repenting. But it's all about that light. We've got to embrace the light. You know, during the season, every year, this time of year, there's a guy that's part of American history for me, a very important guy for this time, who really understood the value of blessing others with light, who understood that he, by embracing the light during the season, could bless others. You won't find him preaching in a church and you won't find him writing books, but he knew the value of lights during the season. Can we show his picture here? Clark Griswold. You know, the funny thing about when you go up and you have lights on, you kind of go in the house and sit down, or perhaps... When we drive around, people aren't even there, but they leave their lights on. And what happens within the community? People start driving by. People park the cars. And they're walking. And other people are blessed by these lights. Are you following me? Other people get the benefit of these lights. I'm kind of a minimalist when it comes to Christmas lights. Not because, like, I have an issue with all the lights or, or because of the budget. It's because I'm lazy. I got, a, I got a big wreath, and it lights up, and then 
but not too many people are driving by the Prosados, right? Like if you Google things to do in San Diego during Christmas, you don't find drive-by Marcus Prosados wreath. It has lights on it. But what you will get, right, is all these places that are showing their lights. And you know what? The people, the owners, they're inside perhaps. They're on vacation perhaps. But they have that lights. And you know what? The community drives by. And some people year after year, decade after decade, they get in their minivan. They tell their kids to stop complaining and be quiet. They bribe them with the Starbucks hot chocolate. And they drive around to the lights. And guess what? They get there and they're like, isn't that awesome? John the Baptist embraced the light of God as we should. So living in the light first allows us to be blessed. Second, allows, I'm sorry, allows us to be bold. Second, allows others to be blessed. Let's take a look at Galatians 5, 22, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Galatians 5, 22, 23. So when you've got this fruit of the Spirit and you start, you start growing these fruits in your life, guys, here's the interesting thing about fruit. I've never seen a tree eat a fruit. But I've seen this. Walk by, pick the fruit. Walk by, grab the fruit. And I've seen other people. I've seen people gather the fruit and eat it and be blessed by it. Well, what about our lives? What about our lives? Shouldn't they be that way? Whereas we are growing fruits of the Spirit that others can come to our lives in a time of need, of depression, of difficult, of uncertainty. And because of the fruit that's growing in our life, can come by, grab some of it, consume it, and be blessed. Let's let God's light allow us to bless others. I think of this a lot. Let's take a look at the, the next picture here. Lately, we've been getting some great moons at night. And when I see the moon, I think of when God said he created the sun and the light and he created the lesser light, which is referring to the moon. And sometimes if the moon is lit right, you can go outside and it lights up literally all of San Diego at nighttime. Here's the interesting thing I find about the moon is that the moon itself, you guys, does not have an internal source of light. The moon is simply a reflection of the sun. And I think of me. Right? Something that doesn't have God's light on it is just not much value, just kind of there, just kind of remove the light from the moon and you just have a big rock. But shine the sun on it. But let me shine God's glory. And how much more can I, or how much can I be somebody that brings light to people? So I pray that I could be a moon, and I pray that this church at NBC could be full of moons, and I pray that my children never moon anybody, <laughs> except their father. 
So how cool that we could be on our own, not much, but with God's light on us, man, light up a whole city. We should let God's light allow us to bless others. In wrapping up, we'll go to the next part of the passage, verses 12 through 13. It says this, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, listen up here, guys, to become children of God. Who? To those who believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a, or a husband's will, but born of God. Listen, guys, we love, the world loves saying that we're all children of God. Right? We're all God's children. How often do you hear that? We're all God's children. Here's the problem. It's not biblically accurate. We are not all God's children. God's children are those that believe in his name. He gives the right to become children of God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this, and it's kind of harsh. He says there's children of God and there's children of the devil. There's not like children of some obscure alien and then God and then who. There's like, who are you? Are you a child of God or are you a child of the devil? We need to make the choice to receive Jesus Christ. Can I hear amen? Right? And then, and then we get the right to be called children of God. God may love his whole creation. And everybody is a creation of God, but not everybody is a child of God. My family and I love going to Disneyland. We're going to go this year during the Christmas time and see the lights. I'm taking four kids. I love a lot of kids. Ricky, you're awesome. Let me tell you this. You're not coming. Sorry. Elliot, dude, you're awesome. Let me tell you, we're going to go to Disney. You're not coming. I'm not taking you. I'm taking those four little half-breeds right there. Julia, you're like my daughter. I'm not bringing you either. Here's the point. I got four kids. You guys with me? I got four kids. There's all these kids that I love. God may love the whole world, but there's something special, the salvation that he has reserved for his children. For his children. Last point here as we close up, living in the light allows God's word to be believed. So number one, it allows us to be bold. It allows others to be blessed. And it allows God's word to be believed. How cool is that, guys? That, that as we are bold and we take those steps and we bless others, People get a chance now to believe God's word and now indeed become children of God. Indeed become his children, adopted into his family. And how cool that we can play a part in that. Let's go to Romans 10.14. says this. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? 
And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? I'll tell you what, NBC is really blessed with Pastor Tim. He preaches the truth. He knows God's word. And he preaches to change people's lives. That's great, but we can't rely on only Pastor Tim. This, this, this city can't rely on only Pastor Tim. Can I hear amen? They need to hear the good news. And guess what? Look how many people we have in this room right here. It's our opportunity also to be preachers, to be carriers of the message. And it's a very simple message, you guys. It's a message of love. It's a message, a message of forgiveness. And how cool that us living in the light allows God's word to believe that we can play that role in people's lives. Um, there's a girl, little 15-year-old girl named Irene. They called her Ginger. This was a while back ago. She was 15. She liked this boy. And she would go to this revival to go see about a boy. And as she went there, heard the music, heard the message, and Ginger felt compelled to kind of find out more about this message of Jesus Christ. So, so Ginger goes home and tells her mom, and, and, and nobody at this point in Ginger's life lives for the Lord. It's just Ginger, and she has a crush on whomever, and this is happening. And she convinces the mom to go, to go to the revival. And so, and so the mom and the family and Ginger's family doesn't have a car, so the mom calls her sister Mary and convinces Mary to come pick them up and drive 30 miles to the revival. So now it's Mary and Ginger's mom and Ginger and the family going to the revival. Well, guess what happens during this season is that the family gives their life to the Lord. And, 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 and now there's a guy connected to the family, right? A, 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 a brother-in-law, young person, young influential person living in Washington, D.C., making, making strides and growth politically. And his name's Larry. And through it, Larry gives his life to the Lord. And eventually, Larry becomes a pastor. Ginger becomes a Christian. Mary becomes a Christian. This all this family gives their life to the Lord, then has decades of legacy. It's a beautiful story. Even more beautiful about that, that, that story is of Jim Coyle's aunt, Ginger, that recently passed away. So as you see Jim here serving every week, fearlessly, faithfully, and you see his beautiful mom, Shirley, come hanging out, serving the Lord. And you hear from Jim how his dad was a pastor and an impactful. You can think of little Ginger who today has her funeral. But because little Ginger went to go see about a boy she had a crush on, but eventually met Jesus who she fell in love with. Changed that whole family. I pray that us, as a church, would live in the light, that it would allow us to be bold, that it would allow others to be blessed, and that it would allow God's word to be believed. So let's prepare ourselves for communion, and during this time, 
let's reflect on God's goodness in our life. And maybe you need to take some time and go, Lord, I've kind of been walking in the dark for a while. What a great opportunity kind of to, to flip that switch. And if you don't have your communion, just slip your hand up. One of our ushers will pass one out to you. Or you're maybe in a spot where you just kind of need to make sure that, you know what, Lord, I need to be thankful for the light you've given me. Whatever it is during this song, if you can just take that time to reflect on it and thank the Lord for the chance to be a light. Lord, we thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for the elements that we're going to take, Lord, for the bread and the cup, Lord. We pray that we'd be so thankful for the body that you gave us, Lord, that you sacrificed, and that blood that you shed for the forgiveness of our sins, God. And I pray we would embrace that, embrace the light, and shine for you. In Jesus' name we pray.